We are Gold Ivy, a health company dedicated to simplifying health and wellness. Tune in as we search to find the deep, real, and raw truth. We're here to talk big, no room for small talk. It is our mission to inspire, seek growth, simplify the action steps, and build confidence. You decide what works for your daily life and how to transform our lessons into your gold. Are you ready to step into your power? Now is the time. Join us on the fearless pursuit of self-discovery and growth. This is Ivy Unleashed, a Gold Ivy production. If you struggle with digestion, energy, bloat, acne, mood, fatigue, listen up. I spent four years, 50 plus doctors, and tens of thousands of dollars to heal my gut so you don't have to. I've created the What To Do Guide I wish I had before spending years navigating the overwhelming amount of information and conflicting doctors' opinions out in the gut health world. My help, I can't figure out what's wrong with me, the How To Heal Your Gut Starter Kit is now available and the response to it online has been incredible. On top of what I wish I would have known, I also wish this information would have been easily accessible for me. Because of that, it's available to you on the shop page of our website for only $9.99. Included in my guide is what helped me and countless others heal their gut, along with chronic fatigue, acne, hormone imbalances, and so much more. You'll learn what foods to stay away from, what foods to eat, a four-week gut healing eating plan, lifestyle tools to aid your healing process, and two of my go-to favorite recipes. So head over to our shop page on our website, goldivyhealthco.com. And remember, happy gut, happy life. You can heal. Let me help you. Welcome back to Ivy Unleashed. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We have a wonderful episode today with guest Rich Worcester. He is just full of light and joy and also suffers from chronic pain and has a few autoimmune disorders, including ulcerative colitis and ankylosing spondylitis. So he's going to talk through all that he experiences, all the side effects that he experiences, but also just his mindset day to day that we can all learn from and be inspired by. Rich is a health coach and gym owner in Florida who went from being told he wouldn't be able to walk to the top half percent of the fittest men in the CrossFit world. So we are so happy that you tuned in to get some inspiration from Rich. He has a wonderful story. He has so many tips for us. And we're so thankful that he joined us today on Ivy Unleashed. We want Rich's message to find as many people as possible. So please help us out. If you can share this with a friend, if you find it helpful. And if you haven't already, please leave us a rating and review. It means the world to us. And now to today's episode of Ivy Unleashed. Thank you so much for being here today. Welcome to Ivy Unleashed, Rich Worcester. Hi, how are you two today? We are good. We're so excited to have you. You are such a calming presence and we need our listeners to know all about you because we know a little bit and what we know is you are just a very special, unique individual that has a story and takes very good care of yourself and your mind in a lot of different ways. So... Can you just set the stage for our listeners what life has been like for you? Maybe, you know, 
when you were younger, maybe as a child, teenage years, and kind of lead us up to where you are now. Absolutely. And thank you very much for having me. I'm super grateful and excited to be here. So thank you. My childhood was pretty amazing. And I think actually prepped me for the stepping stones for where I am now. My parents were very great and they helped me introduce me to books and learning things, which I might not have liked right away, but it got to later, which helped. Um, and they sent me to like leadership camps and stuff like that. So just always learning how to kind of frame myself as a 10 moving forward in life, which has been very helpful. And then as far as my aspirations, before I had deleted social media, which I've been social media clean for I think over two years now, maybe three years. I looked at social media and I saw a picture of, I think it was first grade. They asked everyone what they wanted to be in life. And mine said, I wanted to be the best athlete in the world. And so I kept trying to do that from first grade on to now. And I've had a lot of bumps, a lot of hiccups, a lot of pauses, a lot of maybes, maybe nots. So as far as my athletic journey goes, I skipped kind of the college phase due to injuries, which I'll circle back to in just a moment. And that led me to my CrossFit career and my grid career, which has been a tremendous amount of fun. Um, fun fact, uh, my wife and I also own and operate a couple of CrossFit gyms as well. <laughs> so shout out CrossFit Militia. And we just recently sold CrossFit Lighthouse Point. And so we've been, my wife was very competitive as well as myself. And so it was actually first introduced to me by one of my best friends. She was my made uh she was my groomsman and rachel's in my wedding so she's very important to me and she calls me up and she tried to get me into crossfit all throughout college and i just wasn't going for it finally a couple of years later she goes you know what turn on espn let me know what you think i turn it on it's 2011 crossfit games are on shirtless dudes are on the tv doing amazing things i'm like i want to go there they look amazing that looks fun this is the most athletic thing i've ever seen in my life <laughs> and so the they kind of was just hooked after that signed up for um the, the closest gym I, I knew up in tallahassee and then tried what was called the open uh every year since so the first year i, I joined the open 500,000 athletes from across the world competed to make the top 40 spots to the games so since 2011 i've been in the top top 3% working my way down slowly to the top one top half percent fittest men in the world which has been a very fun ride um, with lots of competitions in between and then that also led me to the sport of grid which I owned and operated a team with my old business partner who we add an app together by the way i had an app with my buddy wow <laughs> profit rx and so what we did there was we took um athletes and crowdfunding so in any type of competition someone to set up they could challenge their friends select the amount friendly versus money make it open to the world close to them and that's kind of how we stayed competing with people not in your area just to make yourself better so you're not just competing against yourself you're competing against better who are not necessarily around you local. Can you explain you. what grid is though? 
Yes. Okay. So getting into that, um, my wife was also on the team as well. And so I owned it with my buddy, I coached it and I starred in it. And, um, grid is just 16 amazing or 18 amazing athletes, nine men, nine women. And it ranges from doing backflips on the rings, front flips on the rings. Um, you're taking a pull up bar, you're going all the way up, all the way down. You're doing backflips, flips, pulling, you take 315 pounds you put it over your head. So it's literally taking most advanced gymnastics, heavy weightlifting, um, all these crazy things that you can do with your body, handstand walking with a hundred pound sled tied to your waist for a hundred yard. What? Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. And this was yeah. on national TV, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have a, a, a recording of one of my races. I did the, the handstand walk with the sled and then, um, there was a fault and so we had to rerun the race and i had to do that <laughs> no twice. way oh my gosh yes. we need to see this i wonder i'll try and get my hands on some footage for sure because yeah. it's it's a lot of fun a lot of screaming from people watching it was it's a blast everyone was just trying to better themselves better the team so it was a very very cool experience so were you an athlete growing up or how did you get to this point where you're top one percent of crossfit that's incredible Thank you very much. Uh, yes, definitely an athlete growing up, always active, grew up having ADD, ADD. If I, my mom, bless her patience level, <laughs> if I had to learn vocab or read, I can't sit still and read. It's the slowest form of learning. I have the biggest mental block with it, actually, since we're kind of on this topic um, of the injuries, which maybe we should get to. But sure. as considering sports, I played anything. I love anything. I still do. So anything with a ball, a body, a board, I'm just addicted to having fun and moving my body through space. <laughs> love it. Yeah. So tell us about the injuries. Like what age you were, what kind of went down from there? So major injuries at 16, it was literally off of jump. It was the only non-contact injury I had. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I jumped up to catch a touchdown and I heard a gunshot come from my knee and I was like, Oh, that was very distinct. So when I land, I very specifically landed on my left leg and I was like, something's different. I'm going to try and take a step with my right leg and then just absolutely collapsed to the floor. And I was like, I have no control over my right leg. So I drove myself home, uh, which is very challenging because I'm a righty mm -hmm. <laughs> and then um, made it home, made the appointment and then found out tore ACL, meniscus, lateral meniscus, all the cartilage, the tendons. And at that point for that one specifically, since I was 16, they didn't want to do surgery on my knee. And so I wasn't going to be able to walk until the age of 26. So that one I was told I was not going to be able to walk until after surgery, just wasn't going to be possible and they wanted to wait till I was 26 so that the growth plates would be closed and I wouldn't have a leg discrepancy for the rest of my life, if that makes sense. So 10 years mm -hmm. of yes, not being correct. able to walk. Correct. Did that happen? That did not happen. <laughs> Although that was lovely advice. It was not necessarily what I wanted for myself. And so um, I very purposefully chose crutches just to kind of Give myself almost a, not as dramatic as the, the naval captain who burned all of his ships so they could go to war. I just did crutches. So I would never have to rely, fall, get comfortable with easy. So, okay, I'm going to walk. Might as well keep my one leg active. Might as well keep my upper body active. I'm going to keep moving. And then 
I just remember sitting in class for weeks, staring at my leg, trying to lift it, trying to lift it, trying to lift it. Nothing's happening. And then finally, I could lift it. Now I'm sitting in English class. Sorry, teacher in high school. I apologize. <laughs> just trying to lift my leg a little bit, lift a little bit. No weights on, just a shoe. And then all of a sudden, nine months later, I could put a little bit of pressure on my leg while walking. Okay. I'm at about 1% of my body weight. Worked it up to 2%. Finally got up to walking. And then after that, I worked my way up to running. And then a doctor wouldn't sign me for football. And then I did cross country and ended up running my personal best of a 5k at 1707, which I found out 10 years later was top 10 in the school that I didn't even know I set this record by a student who informed me of this. So one year later, so it took you like a full year to get to running then? Uh, took me, yeah, it took me a full year to get to walking. And then as soon as I was able to understand walking and that there was a, a certain amount of, of pain, but it didn't shut my body off that I could press through it. And so just kept thinking about running, what that looked like, what that felt like, and then applied it. And so once I got up to walking, the progression to running was much quicker than my progression to walking, if that makes sense. So the whole time you're walking or running, you are in pain? Uh, I'm in pain currently, still from it, yes. Wow. Mm. And how old are you now? I'm 34. I just turned 34 last week. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So sounds like putting your body through pain just enough to progress, but a lot of it was your mindset around it, not letting this I don't want to say diagnoses because it was kind of their treatment plan for you dictate mm-hmm. your reality. You said there's got to be a better way and taking ownership of what that could look like for you. You mentioned other injuries. What else happened to you? Yes, absolutely. Did take ownership, did take um, responsibility for it. I just You have to own your circumstances. And then I think that actually allowed me to progress faster because I wasn't trying to start at step 10. So I started at step one or I started at step zero or no steps at Mm -hmm. all. (laughs) Sorry, that was funny for me. Um, (laughs) And then um, continuing with the injuries, I had to write them down. Then at age 17, I had third degree shoulder separation, um, shoulder tear. So my my shoulder was in this thing for a couple months. And then 19, I was playing basketball college and I landed on the side of my leg. I remember this gentleman ducked down, so I flipped over him. And on that one, I tore my meniscus, lateral meniscus, fractured my left tibia, um, tore the tendons. And that was a, a fun story as well. I went to the ER room up in Tallahassee and they told me that nothing was wrong. And then I went home, got imaging. <laughs> They're like, uh, it's broken. Uh, it's torn. You need crutches. Um, so this is your so- other knee. Yes, that was so. I did the left one twice, right one once. Mm. Good, Mm. love that. I just collect them all, (laughs) and then after that, the my thirtieth birthday, I did a tear on the top and the bottom of my right shoulder. And this one's neat because I think it's fascinating what the human body can do. But my muscle was uh, the tendon was attached to my bone, and it actually pulled the bone chip off, and so my bone broken half because a muscle pulled it, which hurt, but I thought was also kind of fascinating. So looking for the positive in that side, I was like, wow, I'd learned that something to do the body can do. Um, and so that 
took quite a while to get, and I actually still feel that one very much. And then another really big one when I was 31 blew out my back, um, but this one was more serious than any others. And then this one will lead into what will make a little bit more sense in the future. So I had my L5-S1 mototype 2 changes. So basically that means that the red bone marrow is turning into visceral fat just because of the lack of blood flow into my spine. And then I have protrusion of the disc and stenosis. So that's just narrowing of the spinal canal. So it puts pressure on the spinal cord and nerves. And then L304 bulge and more uh, narrowing. Then I'm so sorry. The this is such a long list. Can we like break for a Willy Wonka commercial or something? I apologize. I'm getting to the end. We're wrapping up. Um, and then when I was 33, first workout back to CrossFit from the back injury from 2019. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do my first workout. First workout back. I think it's hilarious. Tore my pec, tore my shoulder, tore my bicep from 2022 to um, Thanksgiving. And then most recently at age 33, I'm currently on crutches at age 34 for my most recent calf injury. Wow. <laughs> so you are top athlete performing with these injuries. How do yes. you do that? <laughs> it's a lot of, and I would like to say awareness. Once you become aware of what's bothering you, you can fix it. And what I mean by that is just owning where you are. So I'm, I'm in pain. I'm, I'm in pain a lot and I could give up or I could just think about positive things that help. And so every single thought that I have is a choice. And so I'm very much aware that I'm choosing to be positive. And I go out of my way to do that for every choice, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's why not only do you have an incredible story, but your mindset around it is what makes you incredible, even, even more so than being on grid and top performing athlete. You think about the victim mentality and so many people who are in pain that becomes their identity. And for you, it's you take this pain and you turn it into what can I learn from it? Or even just your humor, laughing and, oh, I learned this about my body. Like That's not quote unquote normal. Mm -hmm. Were you always that way? Or what shifted where you kind of took your pain and turned it into positivity? Yeah. Ooh, I like that alliteration. Um, how I, I learned to do it was just different ways, different steps, depending on where I was. So and I keep getting pain reintroduced to me. Mm -hmm. And so the, the most recent thing that I've done and made a promise to myself, I want to say maybe a year ago now is every time that I do feel pain, um, I'm going to smile like a New York city Broadway dancer. Mm -hmm. So if I feel that pain come, I put on the biggest smile of my face. And then if I, if I'm feeling a lot of pain, I go, okay, I welcome you like an old friend. And so as, as long as I just weirdly accept it, it's like, okay, yeah, this really hurts, but it can get better. And then I'll do anything and everything to make it better. But the one thing that I would say helped the most was just smiling when it hurts the most. 
So you're not happy to be here with us? You're just in pain? Is that what I'm, I'm hearing? I'm just kidding. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I, I, a few things taken out of the pain. <laughs> so there's this term going around, and I'm curious about it with you, that's called toxic positivity, mm-hmm. where it's almost like this false sense, like you have to be positive, but like you don't actually address the dark side of how you're feeling or really feel those tough emotions. So I'm curious, like, do you have moments where you really allow yourself to feel the pain or feel bad for yourself? I mean, this sucks. Like it's, it sucks and it's totally not fair what you've been through. And so I'm curious, like, are you always like this or do you allow yourself to be like, shit, this is, this is not fair. This sucks. Those moments come and they come when I'm alone and I talk myself out of them because it it can it can amplify it a hundred times worse so if you're if you're working out and it's hot and you're just going it's hot all you're going to know that it is hot and it's going to be hotter each time you think about it and it just escalates and escalates till it explodes and then that makes you crazy bitter say something you didn't want to do do something you didn't want to do injure yourself further mm-hmm. <laughs> all of these things that probably resonate with people so they they do happen but i get to choose what i compare it to so why should i choose to perfection when now i can't achieve that so my the next thing that i do is my next best option and kind of what got me to that was every day i used to wake up just saying a little mantra to myself um doing like square breathing and one of the things was just what's my next best option so i put questions on there to when things i encounter in the day happen i already have a response for it i want that response to be there for when shit hits the fan because that's when i'm unprepared so if i go through my day with a certain mindset okay then every thought that i have is in that mindset if tuesday is this mindset saturday is this mindset excellent but that's the mindset that i'm going to be in so if i have a thought i have to choose to make it through that can you give us an example of like a specific day what that would look like um yeah sure so there's different ways we can go about it so if i'm talking about um saturday okay my theme for saturday is fun people and games meaning that what i would like to do is have fun relax do something for myself people meaning i want to see people okay i want to see someone other than my family member someone in a social network games that means i want to play games so i like to do uh simplify everything if i can boil down something into one word i will and then that can just explode into paragraphs if i write down a paragraph to me it's already lost because it's exploded into millions of paragraphs Mm, so what what would a word be then the like Um, you're saying games friends mm -hmm, okay wife recover animals um then i do sentences to like so okay i'm gonna bring my happy self to my wife Mm. so i'll have things like that of how to bring myself to people okay so it's like the intention Mm -hmm. paired with the action are you familiar with joe dispenza's work no please it's literally you so he long story short you need to look him up because i'm i'm getting a lot of similarities between you two but he does a lot of like neuroplasticity and neurolinguistics and he was hit um, by a, a car when he was biking and he was told he would never walk again and his spine was shattered and he basically healed himself through mindset work and telling himself and like visualizing himself healing one vertebrae at a time he and he holds these seminars where he helps people who are blind see again people with ms like fascinating stuff all because like the mind and and the power behind it so yeah you need to look him up you would love his stuff that is 
so fascinating. And um, I have looked into some stuff like that before. I read that someone was in a wheelchair and they were able to grow 6% of their mm -hmm. muscle mass by thinking mm -hmm. of exercise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And his whole thing is like, uh, you set an intention, you believe it, and then that's where you put mm -hmm. your energy behind. And mm -hmm. so getting specific. So that's why I was like saying that energy. The intention with the action is what he speaks and with he does all different guided meditations and that's the thing is what you focus on grows. So a lot of what you're saying, I'm like, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that makes a, I'm a huge believer in whether you think you can or you think you can't, you are absolutely right. Yep. Right. I'm not going to tell you different because yeah. you're correct. Well, and, you know, thinking about your timeline, this is almost two decades of this type of mindset work that you've done. And you're a health coach, so you have that kind of motivational training in your back pocket. But I just want to remind listeners of that. Like if you're going through something where you're experiencing chronic pain, that, you know, this has been a process for you. And so can you kind of talk us through like this mindset work you know, has it always like came easy for you to like choose this stance and like be this positive or has it been kind of a journey through the last, you know, 18 years? It would be very easy to choose if I was the only human being on this planet. The reason why it's hard for me to be positive is because there's more than one person, me telling me positivity. There's everybody out there that just wants to say something negative or something impossible or something that they don't know is possible yet. Um, so the hardest thing is just being yourself around others. And so for me, it's just, okay, no ego, no problem. If I don't care that I'm not the coolest kid in the world, excellent. I'll be able to fix myself. If I do care, uh, then I'm only going to be as good as all of these other people's opinions put together. And then you have that weird face collage made up of everybody else's face rather than just your face. <laughs> so you're saying being your own person, having your own opinion, believing what you believe and not putting others' beliefs on you? Mm -hmm. I believe that we all have to choose and everything that we do is our own choice and we're, we're suffering or thriving from our own decisions. And so uh, my injuries, I chose to get them and, and I own that and that is 100% okay. And since I made the choice to do that, okay, now I have to make the choice to better it. And I have to keep choosing that every single day. So yes, injuries, but you've also had your fair share of now autoimmune and different health conditions. And so I'm curious how that happened. Like take listeners back to how you know, these injuries then turned into arthritis and ulcerative colitis and kind of these autoimmune. Take us through that journey. Of course, of course. So when I was 25 or 26 is when I first got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. And I think how I got it was just burning the candle at both ends. I was doing private training every single morning before we open the gym and then private training every single night after we close the gym, just working too many hours in a day, not doing any self-care, thinking I can because everyone told me I was young and had the energy. <laughs> well, now I'm young and I don't have the energy. <laughs> um, and so then just too much stress piled up and then I noticed some things were much different. So I went and got checked out and got ulcerative colitis. And I wrote down some of the 
kind of symptoms that go along with that if you wanted to yes, let anyone okay so i just i copy and pasted from google and i just wrote down the ones that they, they all kind of applied to me and i'm assuming they apply to everybody um so you see it attacks the proteins um so it attacks like my muscles and my joints which is not where i want <laughs> it to attack um and so the pain areas is abdomen joints and rectum um so meaning all previous injuries feel very fresh for gastro, bloating, blood and stool, constipation, diarrhea, inability to empty bowels, leaking of stool, urgent need to defecate. So a whole lot of hots and colds. Oh, that, that disease has all of the opposites. Excellent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then whole body, um, uh, anemia, fatigue, fever, as well as cramping, weight loss. Uh, do you guys have any questions about that before we move on? I just like want to take a second for anybody suffering from this. And for you, that sounds devastating to, I could just cry for you right now. Like I've heard of it and I've known some of those things, but that stops your life. Like that puts a strong halt on everything. It's terrible. I'm so sorry that you were going through that and that that's something you deal with. No, it's, it's, thank you very much for your sympathies. But again, it was, I was either born with different genomes, chose to eat something. So I've definitely earned this. So now I just have to know how to manage it. Cause what managing means to me for, for UC is as soon as you enter a flare up, you get uh, 16 weeks until of perfection until your gut goes back to normal. And then with UC, just the longer that you're in a flare up, the more likely you are to get cancer. So basically I'm just eating to prevent cancer. Cause then as soon as you see people get cancer, I think, the longest is like four years, 11% people make it that far. So it's just, it makes my decisions very easy for what goes into my body, but due to the consequences. Mm -hmm. So what do you eat? What does that look like? How do you take care of yourself to prevent a flare up? Great question. I view food a little differently. Um, and so I introduce food kind of soft to hard throughout the day. So the first thing that I'll do is like coconut milk um, for a smoothie, some vegan protein powder, strawberries, blueberries, and then I'll have fruit for the rest of the day until about 5 p.m. Fruits and vegetables, multiple apples, multiple orange, or oranges, rainbow carrots, spinach, all different random things. And then at 5 p.m. on, I'll allow myself a little bit of white rice or some sweet potato and then a little bit bit of um, 99 and one ground turkey. My wife calls it squeaky turkey <laughs> because it's 99% and one. So it literally cleans your teeth when you're chewing this. That's <laughs> what I eat. Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. So you're very aware of the noise that it makes. <laughs> so it's just interesting. So I don't put salt and pepper on my foods. I don't put spices because I have a sensey tummy. And so I have to respect that about myself. So do you eat like that even when you don't have a flare-up? That's kind of like your diet, standard diet, all the time. It's when I deviate from that, I enter a flare-up. Like automatically, it's going to go down. It ta it takes very little time to to enter. What do you do when you travel? That's a lot of planning. Mm -hmm. um, and it's tough, too, because traveling, so... 
for instance, um, I take medical marijuana for my ulcerative colitis. I have tried three medications before. None of them worked. They even took other medications to add on to kind of boost the one. Then finally, they gave me oral chemo, but they didn't tell me that's what it was. And so after I took it, my wife's just like, what in the heck is wrong with you? My teeth turned smoker gray. Like I smoked two packs of cigarettes uh, every day for my entire life. I had a 103 degree fever twice a day, every day. It was just literally killing me. Since the colon was the last thing, I had to kill everything on the way down to get to it. And so it was just terrible. And I was like, okay, not doing medications. That was a hard route too, because the medications didn't work. And then not taking medications isn't a good thing. So I finally found medical marijuana to help with inflammation and pain. And so if I keep my inflammation at bay and I eat perfectly, I can manage my life. How was it accepting this identity that you no longer have a choice of what to eat or to have like freedom with food? I specifically don't choose to look at it like that. I specifically just go, this is my menu that exists. And accepting anything outside of that is a wishful thought and not a fact. And if I start wishful thinking, then then I'm going to be really negative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that why you got off social media? Like, did that play into like comparing or seeing other people's lifestyles? Did that, is that what affected your choice to get off there? Or what was your main reason for that? That's a great call. Um, I just wanted more time with my wife, wanted more time for myself, wanted more time in general, just um, kind of needed a pause from all of the negativity that already exists out there. And then after doing it, I realized I'm, I'm completely okay with it because everyone wants to tell you what you miss out anyway. So it's perfect. Um, and what I got back is time. And I realized, oh, wow, when you like look at your phone's thing, you're like, oh, wow, you spend five and a half hours a day looking at social media. It's like, well, I now spend five and a half hours a day putting it back into my body. So I've got the gift of time that I've used it all <laughs> for mm. myself. And we know you use some of that time for some high-end bubble baths. <laughs> Rich was telling us about his um, self-care routine. <laughs> so yes. I'm curious, and I'm sure the listeners are too, other than food, what does taking care of you look like in managing your UC? And actually, even before we do that, uh, Andrea, how did you think it came across when I told my exploits of my bubble bath? <laughs> so... Rich and I are on the same team for our corporate job, and he's one of the only males on that team, and we were playing a game where it was like, tell us how you're extra, <laughs> and I don't even think he got, he rolled that, and he like raised his hand, basically, it was like, you know, I think that number was meant for me, because I'm probably the most extra person here, and we were like, what, how, and I think you should talk about how you start every day, Rich, I think it's just, it needs to come from you. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Well, the only reason why I bring it up is because when I, when I was explaining it, I, I loved it. I loved that routine. I was doing it daily. It was amazing. So did it sound to you like I genuinely loved it? Cause yes. I, cause I do. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and so I just wanted to get that point across first and that's the power of choice that we have. So how it actually ended up starting with me being in a bubble bath every day was I had to be in a hot bath at with bare minimum hot water if not epsom salts more things like that for an hour 
before I could move. So I was in bed for 10 days with my back. And then now I found out it led to something else, which I'll get to in just a moment. But I'm just, again, it started with necessity. Okay. I'm in bed for 10 days. I'm going a little nuts. I like to move my body uh, every 10 minutes, not necessarily every 10 days. So I was getting a little stir crazy. So I was figuring out, okay, what's going to help? What's going to help? We figured out just scolding hot water in a bathtub. And so if I had to be somewhere at 7 a.m., I had to wake up at 4 a.m. to hop in the bath for 90 minutes before. But point being the power of choice and, okay, the whole thing with what's my next best option, I now have to to take a bath every morning in order for me to walk. But I could make it the most amazing bath in the world. So my bath, I have, I had a jacuzzi. So we moved, so I don't have this bath anymore, Ugh. but I had the jacuzzi with the button. I kept my smoothie machine in there. I had a 32 inch TV that was in front of me where my feet were. Uh, thank, thankfully for my wife, she just was like, this is your room. Go for it. <laughs> angel. I kicked her out. I kicked her out of the, of, of our bathroom. And just to let you know how much of an angel she is, I kicked her out of our bathroom. We were doing this living in our two bedroom, um, two bathroom house with four human beings during COVID. Two grown adult males and one grown adult couple and five animals. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting. What's your wife's name? <laughs> My wife's name is Rachel. Shout out to Rachel. You're an angel. <laughs> uh, yes. So then what it ended up turning into was, okay, my morning routine, I got a nice glass of cold ice water. I got my smoothie so that way I could pour out and keep it on the bedside so it wouldn't get too close to the hot water so that it'd be a perfect temperature. I'd have my TV on. I had meditation music in there. I had incense. That's where I kept my medical marijuana. So I'm doing all of these things at the exact same time. And then I did my work for the day and I sat in there and I did um, breathing meditations. And I tried so many different breathing meditations, but I think during that phase of my life, I was on the Wim Hof breathing mm -hmm. method and it was phenomenal and got me through it. I was working with my pain. I would get up and move around. And so I chose to start out the day like that because if I didn't, I would still be in bed currently. Yes, I love it. If this is what I have to do, how can I make it fun, enjoyable, work for me? Mm -hmm. And also not feel bad about it, Yeah, right? Like you have other people living there and you have to prioritize your health and well-being and that's challenging for people. So how has that been kind of prioritizing your needs when they're so different than everybody else's? It was very challenging for me on a personal reason because I just, a, a lot of people don't know any of this stuff about me just because, um, like you said, with, you know, toxic positivity, I just don't say it, not because I'm embarrassed, not because I don't, I don't like talking about it. I'm completely very open with talking about it, um, but I just don't want to put negativity in the world and then make people more negative or think that I'm incapable when I'm when I'm very physically capable so I don't want to also give off wrong messages but I would say that to answer the question very hard to do with other people it's even very hard to do with you know my own wife and my own self because it's like oh I'm in so much pain but I'm also so angry right now that it's like I don't just want to go hey time out I'm, I'm in pain can we just like can we pause life for a minute? Because sometimes we can't pause life. So we've we've worked on catchphrases and little things, but I've also become better about just just owning it. Just being like, you know what? 
I was a real dirtbag. I'm super sorry. I feel better. I smoked some medical marijuana. The thorn is out of my paw. I can continue. So again, it all goes back to, I could blame it on others for me feeling uncomfortable, or I could own it and go, oh, I was a jackass. I shouldn't have been a jackass. And I super duper take it back. I'm course correcting. There's just a lot of owning it and course correcting if I personally want to get better. Mm -hmm. So you just have these high expectations of yourself. Like I can be crabby in my mind, but it's not fair to be a jerk to anybody else is kind of what I'm hearing. And not even high expectations, just, just no, no limits, just whatever I can think of that I think I can do realistically is I'll, I'll try for. It's just so interesting how your mind works, right? I mean, not being pissed about your circumstances, not playing the victim card, not placing the blame on anybody. You have even said like, I took, a, I like made myself injured. <laughs> We're like, I'm sure these are like accidents, right? And so does that help you to be like, I did this. So I'm going to do something about it. Like, does that help you to feel like, it was your fault that you brought on UC or you brought on these injuries? I was thinking about how to weirdly explain a fact this weekend. And so I'm going to try my best. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, but I wonder if this makes any sense to you. Um, okay. So for the power of choice, facts are facts. We can all view the same thing completely differently and all be completely correct. Um, so if we can choose, why not choose the best option for ourselves? So my point being is fire is a fact. Fire has not changed from 10,000 BC all the way up until today, yet all of us have a different point of view of it and what it is. It could be food, could be heat, could be light, could be used to ignite. Uh, it can make things smell good, can make things smell bad. It can be used to destroy, can be used to build, can be used to leave a permanent mark or to erase a permanent mark. So depending on who you are, where you were in life, where you were in history, it could mean a whole bunch of different things to you, but you got to choose what it meant to you by doing the act. And so it's happened. It was a fact. And same thing with the rain. A rain can be on a parade. Some people love it. Some people hate it, but you can choose your attitude towards it. Mm -hmm. How do you choose that attitude when you have no energy when you're coaching clients all day, you know, it, it sounds like, yeah, okay, you want to look at your circumstances in a positive view, but when you feel like crap and you don't have the energy, how do you get through your work day? Great question. And there's also probably two more things I should share before even answering that. So I found out in in by the end of 2021 that I also have a heart condition. And so one of the things, the caveats with that is no more caffeine. So as a supplement, if anyone out there wants to try no caffeine, good luck, have fun. Uh, my strong recommendation, juicing celery juice. Um, and what that brings to me is I felt like it strips away the fatigue more so than adds the energy of caffeine, if that makes any sense. So the no energy thing definitely hurts without the caffeine. And then also with the pain thing, I also have ankylosing spondylitis. So with ankylosing spondylitis, pain areas in the ankles, eyes, heels, hip, uh, joints, lower back, middle back, neck, and shoulders, pain types can be arthritic. Um, so like I have x-rays of my ribs, there's just arthritis sprinkled all throughout. So it feels like 
they're fractured all the time. Um, even just taking a pinky and touching the wrong spot kind of feels like it's broken. Pain circumstances can occur during rest, meaning your body hurts, but you have to move. And if you don't move, it hurts more. So I appreciate that it gives me the choice there, uh, which is nice. Um, joints, back joint dysfunction or stiffness, eyes, inflammation in the eyes, middle layer or redness, smoking doesn't help the redness, visual, blurred vision, sensitivity to light. So if I literally can't go outside without sunglasses, um, if I do, my eyes automatically close, water up, and I have to put my finger in my wife's pocket and just, she doesn't run me into a wall. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot of uh, things to navigate that. And then also common is just bone tissue formation, fatigue, hunchback, inflamed tendons, inflammatory bowel disease, physical deformity, and sleep disorder. Wow. Kind of like you name it, I got it is what I'm hearing. What is it like receiving a new diagnosis? Because it's it sounds like your trend is like every year it's something added on. This one didn't surprise me at all um, because I was like, oh, my lower back hurts. Um, my vision's blurry, light sensitivity. Um, I had a hundred percent. I just was like naming all of these mm -hmm. symptoms. And then all of a sudden the answer came. So it was like, I knew the answer. I just didn't know what it was called. So that one didn't surprise me. You see, however, totally took me by surprise. And I was like, okay, I have to relearn life. And that's, I think, what's the most challenging part. You have to find out. You, if, I don't know what your story is, and maybe you have some something similar, but I had to strip food. So I didn't eat for a week, and then I would only eat one food group for a week and then eat something new for a week. And then just you just have to test a life. And when you're testing life, I just choose to play with it and have fun with it. So if I'm in a circumstance, I'm going to make a bubble bath out of it <laughs> and throw around confetti like it's fun rather than just having to go through it mm -hmm. and choosing to go through it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it sounds like choosing what makes you feel good and taking ownership of that, that that's a choice. I think for me, it was not feeling guilty about making those choices when it comes to food. You know, for the longest time, I didn't want to be a burden to those around me. I didn't want to ask for help. I didn't want to be, quote unquote, that girl who asked for certain things on the menu or had to go home at a certain time. You know, you, you don't want to burden others, but changing that view of, no, I'm prioritizing feeling good and that's what the people around me want and not having any shame around that. I think that was a tough mindset shift for me. I'm wondering if you can relate to that at all. 100%. And it's, it ruins a lot more things that you're very aware of. That's very challenging. Whenever we have a social event, we always want to break bread. We want to do it around food. I can't. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I either don't do the social thing or I, sometimes I can't order something different or picky off the menu. So it's like, oh, hey, do you want to come over for dinner? I, I can't. I, I don't want to. It's going to hurt me. So it's it's very challenging what it does to your your social life. And so for me, it's definitely made it smaller. Um, but I have the people that's going. Okay, hey, like I thank you for asking me to lunch. I don't do that. I can't do that. But I would like to hang out. Would it be weird if I went and didn't eat? Would you like to do this? Would you like to do that? And just kind of just being completely open with it. That has helped tremendously. And then. That also allows me to know who I should let stay in my life and who I don't need to make a second reservation with. I love that. So it sounds like you've figured out who your close friends are and people that can 
accommodate your your life or like be comfortable with the choices you make. What's it like owning a gym? I know you've told us that not a lot of people even know your circumstances. What is that like living your life around people that have no clue what's going on with you? I would say it definitely has its hard moments and um, its fun moments. So it's, it's hard moments would be if people don't know and I don't need to bring it to their attention. And my reasoning behind that would be just not bringing negativity to a, a situation where if someone's exercising and I'm coaching them, they don't need to know about my pain levels. That is not going to help their workout. That's not going to help their exercise. If I start talking about my problems, am I now getting into their head before they go into a workout? Mm -hmm. They're here for one hour of the day. I do not want to set up their mind frame like that. And that goes along with just a lot of interaction. So unless it comes up, I really don't see a reason to, um, I guess I would say it would be pulling the victim card, but I don't see it as a, you understand what I'm trying to yeah, say. So you don't need the sympathy. Like you're not looking for the sympathy. You don't need it. You're kind of, sounds like you're in a place where let's focus on what we're actually doing here and not my needs or what I'm going through. Yeah. And you almost have to, because you're always going to want sympathy. But the, the thing is, is that's also not fair to the other person because they don't know how much pain you're in. Some people have only experienced stubbing their toe as the worst pain in the world and awesome for them, but that's all that they can handle. So it's not fair for me to go, oh, remember when you stubbed your toe? Imagine it's like that all the time. I say, well, I can't remember that. So, But the more self-aware you become, the more you can grow. So if you police yourself, you allow others to become better. So I'm all about policing myself. So to allow other people to become better, people uh, can be inward. I don't let that affect me. Um, if I expect someone to police me, now I'm asking for them to do a job that they never asked for. So it's always on me to make sure, okay, I'm feeling pain. I had the choice to take care of this. I had the choice to do something about it. And so if I didn't make those decisions, the pain is coming out. I don't want to take that out on the person in front of me because they didn't do anything to bring that out, but they will be the full recipient of it if I don't take care of myself. Kind of what I'm hearing is like, it's not their problem. And so I'm not putting it on, on them. Absolutely. Again, taking and, ownership. And we all have our own problems and they're for us. We don't need to give, in my opinion, other people our problems because they're not going to fix it for you anyway. Do you ever feel lonely? Absolutely. And that is a great, great question because there, I mean, there's not a lot of people out there that would understand that, that mm -hmm. I have come across. Mm -hmm. And it's a human need to feel seen and heard. And so I'm just curious how, how that works, you know, not telling people, I mean, your closest people know really walking through life, going through something at all times with people interacting with you that have no clue. I just trying to imagine being you. I feel like I'd have to be like, just, you know, I have a terrible backache. <laughs> like, I don't want to talk small talk. I, I have no capacity. Please well, I think you don't know until you're in it. Yeah. Like you don't know how you would choose. Just, I'm sure like your 19 year old self wouldn't, would have no idea you would have viewed this completely different, but now you're walking through it and you're adjusting as you go. I'm sure too, like your first injury or a year ago, you were a completely different person than who you are now. 100%. So if someone's yeah. listening right now that's been going through a lot physically and they're mm -hmm. just kind of starting this journey of navigating life with UC or 
chronic back pain, like what would you say to them starting starting out on this journey? With any disease, you have to find out what your wants are and then figure out how to get that with your circumstances. Find out what the the disease or your circumstances are affecting you in kind of like a negative way. So I like to focus on three things that, um, that I think are weaknesses or it's affecting me in a negative way and really focus on kind of trimming the fat and my strengths will be strengths. But as long as I keep the, the difficulties and keep adjusting them. And another thing too is uh, check, keep checking in with yourself because like you mentioned, yeah, we grow. I'm a completely different person this year from last year and I'm going to hopefully be an improved person mm-hmm. next year compared to today. Start from zero. You, you can share it with other people. The thing that I will say that sharing with other people is they they hear you and that's nice, but if they don't understand you, that can be frustrating. And so what I'll say with that is people, you know, understand, but no one actually understands, not a single other human being, because people only remember when you tell them. You're the only one who's like, hmm, pain, 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 where not a moment goes by. But if a moment lets up and someone forgets and they could ask you to do something or ask something when you're not in the mood, and it's like, whoa, people don't understand. And so I have to to know where I am and I have to be good about letting them know I'm not there yet. Please give me time. And again, then that works with you and the relationship with the other person because hopefully they're going to understand that you're not just trying to be lazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, wow, you have two autoimmune diseases that make you want to take a nap. Maybe you should just sit down for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so just own where you are and and get better. You can get better tomorrow. I mean, these are two, unfortunately, lifetime diseases that will never go away. Can't change them with surgery. And so I'm still getting better every day. (laughs) What are some of those practices you have of getting better? I know you do a lot of personal development and have over the years. What are some of those practices right now that you do? Organizing my thoughts, like I mentioned earlier too, before you get into the situation helps. Um, I had a whole bunch of trick tips and tricks and all these things that I used to do and I forgot all the steps along the way. But knowing how you're going to handle something before you handle it really preps you for it. And so what I mean by that is I have a list. I'm looking over at my whiteboard right now um, and I have a list of quotes and it kind of goes with how you go through life. Um, So my first quote is just choose my perspective. Do you guys mind if I read the quote? Mm -hmm, Please do. We love quotes. Um, Choose my perspective. So in choosing my perspective, the nature of the rain is the same, but it makes thorns grow in the marshes and flowers in the gardens. Mm, Perspective. Mm -hmm. So that to me is huge. Facts happen. How are you going to handle it? You can handle it however you choose. And then, so that tells me how facts happen. Then if I want to conquer my fears, because fears hold me back from an extreme amount of things, trying, becoming better, um, just getting over an injury is very scary in itself. You have a lot of physical pain at first. And then if you go to take your first step, you have a lot of mental pain and the mental side lasts years longer than the physical side. And so to conquer my fear, um, that's the thing about fear. Death will kill you once, but fear will kill you over and over and over again 
if you let it. Mm, that's powerful. And I love accomplishing or tackling my fear because I have a tremendous amount of them. <laughs> Pretty much scared of everything. So anytime I do something, I'm like, oh, God, this is awesome. <laughs> what? See, to me, I, if I could describe you in one word, I'd be a lot of them. But one would definitely be fearless. I feel like you've faced adversity in so many different ways from what I see, you know, my perspective, confidence and in your abilities to stand up to whatever monster gets in your path. Like ulcerative colitis is to me a, a very scary thing, right? And you're just standing up to it like, I got this. I feel like mm -hmm. you're fearless. I very much appreciate that. And I would have to say it goes to confidence more than fearless. Yeah, absolutely. I'm scared shitless of a lot of things, but my confidence in myself to overcome them is stronger. How do you build your confidence or how have you? The only way to build your confidence is believing in yourself and, and, and playing in the space that you're in. So anytime I learn something, I just take it and, okay, um, I know about myself. I don't like to experience new things in front of a group. Okay. So if I want to learn about this, I'm going to take it in the corner, make all of my mistakes in the world. And as soon as I did make a thousand of them, I've perfected it. And now I know how to do it correctly. We are in the business of building confidence. So we would love for you to give some more tips on how you build that. Real quick, I just want to kind of bring up how important confidence can be for what we do. I was reading this book called The Confidence Code. I'm not done with it yet. But the background of this preliminary story is just um, that women are less confident than men. And so this entire book, it's a book for women written by women. Um, I, I'm not a woman. I just love human beings and love learning. So I'm partaking. Um, <laughs> and they were doing this study and it said that, um, you know, they're, they're talking about how women can overcome being confident. And then where's the line between being a jackass and having too much confidence. Um, but then there were, there's a Harvard, a Harvard study about where um, the, this group of Asian women were taking a math test and there was three different tests given out. The first test was Asian women are good at math and then you take the exam. The second test was a gender neutral statement. And then the third test was women are bad at math. So the first test, Asian women are good at math. Um, it was like two to 3% higher than the norm. And then the women are bad at math scored at an average 9% lower than the norm just to that one statement. Mm -hmm. So if our confidence is damaged, then we believe in the lie of our inconfident self and follow that rather than if you can always choose where you're want to aiming, why would you not choose towards the lighthouse? I love that. Follow the light. <laughs> follow your gold. That's <laughs> why so we're doing what we're doing. That's awesome. So you read a lot. Yes, what other kind of like daily practices do you have to help build and keep your mindset so strong? So I would say just choosing my thoughts, organizing myself, organizing my day, and then living through it. So have you ever heard of the Franklin Day Planner? No, oh. please tell. Um, so I kind of made my own spinoff of it, but what organizes my entire life is this whiteboard, this 70-something inch whiteboard that I'm staring at in front of me. Um, and I have a blank column with just quotes, how to live my life, kind of go through organizing like that. So I know 
order of operations. When I do anything, this is how my mindset is, and that allows me to stay on track, and I can read through all of those. Um, but then I have an A, a B, and a C column. C is all of my daily chores. Okay, so I have on there in the first circle, since it's daily, read a book for 20 minutes. Okay, listen to an audiobook for 20 minutes. So I get reading on both sides, um, clean the house for 20 minutes. Right now I'm a little bit behind. So I have do taxes for 20 minutes. Um, and then it's literally just do something that I don't want to do for 20 minutes. That's just day of. Um, and then I have all of my daily tasks that I have to do. And then I have tasks that I have dates to, and then I have mindsets that I choose to go through things. And you have to organize these to how you want to live very specifically. And and everyone is different. And I strongly encourage that we just create our own. And once we create our own, you can just keep making it better. Okay. What's my next best option? What's my next best option? What's my next best option? And as long as you keep that, you're going to keep creating it. Then once you start to create it, you can always make your situation better as long as you're sitting in it. I love that. It's kind of like getting organized and starting with a simple like template and then tweaking it to work for you. I think so many people, myself included, like we have to have the perfect thing, the perfect planner, the perfect organization, the perfect whatever it may be. And that keeps us from actually starting when just keep it simple, find something that you can tweak and just start knowing that it's going to evolve as you grow and evolve. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the only reason why I've built into this is because I have been you know, analysis paralysis. Mm -hmm. As soon as you start overthinking, you get more stressed out, then you get anxiety because you're not there yet. And then it just totally, and to me, that's me setting myself up for failure. So I choose not to do that. Sounds like you're really good at being in the moment with that anxiety. And you mentioned meditation earlier with your bubble mm -hmm. bath. Is that something, a practice that you have daily is meditation? Yeah, absolutely. And, and also, uh, you probably are very familiar with this too. You have good hours throughout the day, bad hours. So for me personally, 4 p.m. rolls around. And then every minute from there on, I just get worse and worse and worse. So that's why I try to have not not plan out my day in the beginning. Have my day planned and live it through just knowing, okay, I know my energy levels are going to be like this. That means that I'm going to plan inside this window. If my energy levels are going to be in between a one and a two, and I plan a four activity level, I'm shooting myself in the foot. So it's just knowing exactly where you are and staying in your window. Not too early, not too sane, not too much, not too little. I can see how that plays into your confidence too, like knowing yourself so well. Mm -hmm. You don't have to feel bad if you're not super productive at 4 p.m. Or you didn't get to things at 4 p.m. You already know that's a tough time for me. I'm going to plan earlier. Pat yourself on the back. Make your day work for you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so then you don't have to think about it. If you just have repeats of how you feel, you go, okay, I have five things that I need to take care of this week. Plug them in on the times that you feel good. And so you just have to know what's limiting you to know how to work around it. We can find our, our workaround codes, our cheat codes. We can find it for everything. They exist. We just have to create them. The reason why I think it's effective for me, and I think it would be super effective for just 
any human being who experiences lifelong disease, pain, a human being that experiences stress or any type of anxiety. Um, but the reason for, for planning out is I like to plan out my day when I'm at 100%. And then that way, when I go throughout the course of my day and those interactions pop up, that circumstance pops up where I have to react or to make a decision. My decision was made at 100% brain power, and I'm now carrying it out no matter where I am throughout that day. So whenever we're going along and something happens, and usually in that moment, we get a little bit worked up, we get a little anxious, we get a little anxiety, some stress, we don't make the perfect decision. But if the perfect decision was already made, I can just carry it out at a lesser percent of myself to that best version that was already intelligently planned out before the situation ever even arrived. So give us an example. Um, an example would be, okay, so set your mind for something. So for instance, if I have pain, I already know as soon as I stub my toe, as soon as I do something, I'm going to put the biggest smile on my face and that's going to help me get over that in the moment. Now you can take that and you can apply it to anything. Okay. You want to be kinder. As soon as you get that anger, F you in your mind, oh, pause. I feel it. I want to be kinder. Excellent. Saying okay is definitely better than saying F you. Just plan out the pain points before you get there so you handle them with as much class as you want to handle it. Love that. A year from now, where do you want to be? What do you want yourself to look like in all areas of life? So a year from now, um, basically, what do I want to know? Um, I believe there's a different mindset in the classroom between a teacher and the student. So I'd very much like to grow my mind, awareness, and eventually career. So I'm trying to learn um, what that side of it looks like. So career rise, hopefully advance there. Um, career rise, hopefully do um, obviously something with the gym to be announced. Also, personal-wise, I just found this out. They changed the age bracket of the the master. So my birthday actually falls into the category where I might be able to compete as a master's next year. So I don't know if that's on the menu or not. Just something spinning around a little bit. That's exciting. <laughs> yes, yes. Other personal I have a bunch of goals that might not be ready for the world just yet between my wife and I. We're not pregnant or have a baby or anything like that. I don't want to get false hope, but we have things coming up that we're planning on as well. So I have a lot of things coming up that I'm excited for. That's awesome. I know a lot of people listening do have chronic health issues, do resonate a lot with me and now you, Rich. And so for anyone who needs some inspiration, has questions, wants to reach out, how can people get in contact with you? I love it. Yes. So thank you. The whole reason why I think we tell our stories is so that we can share our experiences. So I would love nothing more than to answer anything, shoot back and forth, talk. My email is Rich Worcester. Please let me spell that for you. <laughs> R-I-C-H-W-O-R-C-E-S-T-E-R at gmail.com. And we'll share that in our blog, in our show notes so that everybody can can refer, refer back to that. And now, Rich, it's time for your three gold stars, which are your three big takeaways for our listeners. Excellent. Okay. 
I guess takeaway one would be uh, learn what you want often and uh, because it changes more often than we check it. So learn what you want, check it, re-aim. Learn what you want, check it, re-aim. Number two, every choice that you make is yours, which is scary and amazing. <laughs> and number three, you can improve anything at any point in time as long as it's about you. Wow. Those are so powerful. I just have to say, you are such a gift. Like everything you're saying is, I know it's who you are and it's your life and this is you living it and it's just normal to you, but it is so not normal to have this mindset. <laughs> You've clearly done a ton of work and you know, probably have a really great support system too that's, you know, got your back and has helped you. But I'm just so happy that you're ready and willing to share your story with our listeners because it's so powerful. And uh, I'm excited to hear even more from you. So we're going to get into Unleashing Ivy. So these are our surprise questions for you. Are you ready? Absolutely. All right. My question, one thing you do every day that makes you feel better and not a bubble bath. Let's see. I would say one thing that I do every single day is I appreciate every single thing that I have and that's around me. And that helps me start my day. That helps me be thankful. That helps me turn little annoyances into huge smiles. And I think that's incredibly important. And you elevate the people around you by doing that. And then that energy is contagious. So it's super contagious, especially on our team. Mm -hmm. Your vibe, your vibe raises, raises all of our vibes. <laughs> Thank you. I call it the greeting uh, dog effect. If, if you come home and that dog's so excited to see you, you can't do anything but be positive back. So as long <laughs> as you give it, it will come back. I love that. My question is about... CrossFit and grid. I'm a, I, I'm curious about a story where you had to like physically dig deep, like a story that you'd like to share about that experience. A story where I had to dig deep. Okay. Well then um, I mentioned earlier with the, the handstand sled. So there's about 12 races in grid. And so this one race, there's four quadrants. And so basically finish, uh, picture a start line and a finish line and four little marks in between. And so the first uh, about 20 foot mark or so, we had to do like 30 handstand walks, um, you know, back and forth to start it. Then on the second one, we had to put a med ball in between the legs to go back and forth <laughs> with a, a medicine ball. And then the the last one was the the sled and so we had we had done that race i started off i don't know how many handstand walks i did in that first quadrant don't know how many medicine ball handstand walks i did in the second quadrant took this heavy ass sled upside down all the way across the floor finish it and then they go re-race and i was like excuse me <laughs> first place this guy this team what do you mean we race this? He's still going and they switched people. And so they wow. used a fresh person for their race on the second race. And I did all the same work again in the first quadrant, all the same work again in the second quadrant. And luckily my team was just shouting, believing in me. And even more so, um, I went with aiming of victory. So whenever I do anything, 
maybe this quote will help us. When I choose to do anything, I plan for victory. If I succeed, I celebrate. If I fail, I recalibrate. And so when I was on that match, I was going, I'm doing this handstand walk. I'm going to go there faster. There was literally not even another option that I presented to myself. So I gave myself the best option and I went for it. And oh, it got heavier each and everything. So imagine rubber flooring and this hundred pound, you know, thing I'm dragging has rubber match. So it's just more like nothing is moving at all. And I'm plowing rubber. My face was probably red about to pop off and I didn't eat the floor. So I have all of my teeth, but we won and it was amazing. Oh, (laughs) what a story. Just watching CrossFit and the way you push your body, it's amazing and i'm excited for you to get back out there you will 100 percent. yeah aiming for victory yes it's funny i feel like athletes mentality you know like thinking about basketball or any sport you have Mm -hmm. to have this tenacity about Mm -hmm. it and strategy and visualization and the mindset work it's really powerful stuff so i am not surprised that you won (laughs) that and i'm not surprised why you're so positive with the way that you view your circumstances Yeah, it's refusing to stay stuck and recalibrating. I think that's so powerful. Uh, My question, last question here is, what is one thing you wish you would have known sooner? Oh, man. Um, You know what? I'm going to go with, uh, it's going to, I'm going to have to bring it back to awareness, self-awareness. If I was the most self-aware person when this first happened, I think I could have cut the steps in a hundred a hundred times quicker just by me going through it i had to go through it by myself i had to go through it with my body i had to go through it with my mind i had to go through it against others so it's just if i just was knew what i wanted from the beginning it would have been much easier so just know yourself to police yourself well thank you so much rich you are inspirational motivational gift full of gold we cannot wait to see where life takes you and we are so blessed that our paths crossed and we know they will cross again so thank you for being you and for sharing we leave our listeners with a piece of gold so some more gold from you (laughs) would you like to leave our listeners with your gold yes absolutely and thank you very much for asking this one is um, how I choose to treat humans by throwing kindness around like confetti. And it's a quote by Maya Angelou. It's people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. This is Gold Ivy signing off. Listen to your truth and go chase your gold. 